mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome again to another episode of the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am Sean, your host and moderator, and uh, you'll notice today that I'm actually doing a solo podcast, and with me uh, is no one, most notably not Sean P., because uh, the topic that I'm about to discuss is just a little bit too painful for him to talk about right now. So I'm doing a solo pod. Uh, it's the first time I'll have done it, so um, bear with me. We'll see how it goes, and uh, hopefully I don't crash and burn spectacularly. Um, the reason Sean P. isn't here is because I'm going to talk today about the rise and subsequent fall of the Galaxy Note 7. Uh, those of you who have listened to our pod in the past know that uh, Sean P. is an avid Note fan and actually purchased himself a Note 7 and has subsequently now begun making uh, arrangements to return it back to its point of origin. He's um, He's really really unhappy about this. And so when I asked him if he was ready to go and, and record a pod or write an article for the site, he um, he said the pain was still too fresh. So I'm going to fly solo and uh, give you some thoughts on the timeline about what happened with the production and release of the Note 7, go through the events covering those things that happened that ultimately led to the first and then second subsequent recall, and then talk a little bit about the financial impact of Samsung as a company and then what uh, potentially they may have on the horizon for, for the future. So uh, the first thing I'm going to do is talk a little bit about the Note 7 and the timeline of events that covers the uh, all of the things that happened since the release of the phone. So according to Reuters, here's the approximate chain of events that transpired to, to impact Samsung's uh, flagship smartphone so fervently. Uh, on August 2nd of 2016, the Note 7 is availed at a New York media event. And as of August 19th, the Note 7 goes on sale, including 10 markets for both the United States, South Korea, and eight other locations. Uh, approximately five days later, August 24th, the very first report of a Note 7 exploding occurs in South Korea. And about a week later, Samsung begins to delay shipment of Note 7 to South Korean character carriers. Excuse me. And most people may remember from during this time, there was a report initially that Samsung had said that this was a faulty battery that had been placed into some of these devices from their subsidiary company, Samsung SDI. This turned out not to be true. Uh, as of September 1st, Samsung began selling Note 7 in China. The very next day, Samsung announced the global recall of 2.5 million sold Note 7 devices, and again, citing a faulty battery. Uh, a couple days later, the Federal Aviation Administration, or known here in the States as the FAA, uh, urged Galaxy Note 7 users to stop using their flown phones when flying. And about a week after that, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, otherwise known as the CPSC, uh, also began to urge the Note 7 to not Note 7 owners to not use their devices. And then on September 15th, the CPSC formally announced, in conjunction with Samsung, the recall of approximately 1 million Note 7 devices. Uh, a couple of days later, and over the course of the next four or five days, uh, a Florida man uh, sues Samsung for a Note 7 explosion, um, saying it caught fire, I believe, in his Jeep uh, and caused the Jeep to be a total loss. Um, 
A Note 7 user in China claims that the device caught on fire and was caused by an external heating event. Uh, On September 21st, Verizon and Sprint begin taking orders for the new replacement Note 7s, which Samsung made arrangements for uh, after the recall of all of the previously issued devices. September 22nd, South Korea orders extra battery safety measures for the Note 7 phones. And then three days later, Samsung began to delay the restart of South Korean Note 7 sales. And on the 29th, Samsung said, hey, we got more than a million people globally now using new Note 7s with safe batteries. And they indicated that this would be shown and demonstrated by the fact that there was a green battery indicator on the phone itself, as well as the box shipping the safe devices had a little black square indicator on it. So people would be able to tell the difference between uh, a faulty Note 7 and a potentially safe Note 7, which uh, turned out to be not the case as we go forward. On October 1st, Samsung resumed selling new Note 7s in South Korea. If you'll remember, they had been delayed since September 25th. So this is about two weeks later. And October 6th, uh, a Southwest Airlines plane in the United States was subsequently evacuated because a new and replacement Note 7 began to smoke on one of the flights, even though it was powered down. On October 9th, AT&T and T-Mobile uh, released a statement indicating that they have halted issuing all new Galaxy Note 7 smartphones due to safety concerns. Uh, on the next day, Samsung said it's adjusting its Note 7 shipments for inspection and quality control purposes because of more new phones catching fire. Uh, and on October 11th, Samsung permanently halted sales and production of the Note 7 smartphone and began to ask to consumers to, if you still had it, to stop using it, regardless if it was a new device that had been replaced or if it was one of the older devices that had yet to be replaced. As of the recording of this podcast on October 16th, uh, Samsung has confirmed that they have permanently ended the life of the Galaxy Note 7. It will be no more. There will never be a Galaxy Note 7 released in the United States or internationally ever again. Uh, Rest in peace, Galaxy Note 7. So basically, the big concerns regarding the devices catching fire and the devices um, smoking or uh, potentially exploding, if you will, uh, were the biggest concerns behind this. And the most recent report from a couple of days ago that was released by the New York Times has indicated that Samsung really doesn't have any idea why their devices are catching on fire and citing their concerns for the public safety and uh, the, the preservation of human life as being the most important thing. They have stopped manufacturing this phone. Um, it's really sad because uh, by all accounts, if you read any of the reviews ahead of time, the Galaxy Note 7 was being hailed as the greatest smartphone ever made, period. Uh, when Sean P. got his and compared it to his Note 5, the current device that he's using, he, uh, he was really impressed with the size, the form factor, the packaging, it, all of the features that go into making this phone fantastic, a great camera, a beautiful display, uh, a great feel in hand from the manufacturing process that Samsung uses to make the hardware. Uh, it was snappy. It was, it was really responsive. And, and features like the S Pen and the Retina Scanner and the waterproofing and the expandable storage through the SD card slot all really make this, quite literally, uh, both one of the most expensive smartphones ever produced, as well as maybe the greatest smartphone ever made. And to see it die a hideous, painful death such as it has is really, really a shame because this is a quality product. Samsung, other than the fact that it 
potentially explodes on people, really made probably the pinnacle of smartphone achievement that most people in a larger phone, uh, the Note 7 has a 5.7 inch quad HD display. Uh, If you're in the market for a large phone, this was probably the phone to buy and now it's gone forever. Um, this is not a this is not a great thing for us as end users, and this isn't obviously a great thing for Samsung as a company um, in terms of the financial impact. The estimates right now are somewhere in the neighborhood of Samsung losing somewhere between 5.3 and 5.5 billion dollars. That's billion with a B from this recall. That's uh, a lot of money. So in addition to that, Samsung stock itself, the shareholders in the company, have fallen 5% since the recall was announced earlier in October. And that removes over $10 billion in Samsung's market cap. That's, that's huge. Along with Apple and Google, Samsung has one of the largest market caps uh, in any publicly traded company because of the fact that they produce great devices. The Galaxy S7 and the Galaxy S7 Edge were wildly received as being amongst the best smartphones ever for their size and feature set. So, uh, And this was building on the relative success of the Samsung Galaxy S6, which while it wasn't as feature-rich as the S7, was you know a very nice phone in its own right and a, a huge jump over the S5 in terms of manufacturing and, and hardware standpoint. So um, this is really, really bad for Samsung. Now, you know obviously they're a, a very financially stable company and they've already got other products in their pipeline. So we're looking at rumors right now of the Galaxy S8 being released potentially ahead of schedule. Now that may be impacted a little bit by the fact that Samsung probably rushed the Note 7 to market a little bit earlier than it should have because of their concerns over Apple releasing what was mostly an iterative uh, from a design standpoint uh, Note 7. So there's there's a lot of um, gains that can be had strategically against their major competitor if they were to get a better product or presumably a better product into the hands of consumers ahead of uh, or at least in direct competition with the new iPhone 7. So Something something went wrong with Samsung's process and what it was has yet to be discovered. But the biggest thing is, is that what Samsung hoped to accomplish by having the Note 7 out ahead of time really was a spectacular flop and now pretty much allows both Google with the release of their new Pixel and Pixel XL phones, as well as Apple with the release of the iPhone and the iPhone 7 Plus to jump into a market without a direct competitor in both the Pixel XL and the iPhone 7 Plus markets. The Note is what would be up against these phones and competing for everyone's attention. And now that product just simply doesn't exist. So if there was ever a time for other companies to strike while the iron was hot, this is pretty much it. For Apple, that's not a huge deal because they kind of set the market for their own devices. Everyone that's invested in the Apple ecosystem has a tendency to return. So the release of the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 7 Plus probably wouldn't have cannibalized too much of Samsung's market. But you know what? The release of the Google Pixel phones just might. The Pixel is a smaller 5-inch display device that's more competing with the Galaxy S7. But the Pixel XL is going to definitely compete in the space that was previously occupied by the Note 7. It's a 5.5-inch Quad HD AMOLED display. The panels are produced by Samsung themselves. So along with Google software integration and Google Assistant special features, um, the Pixel XL will walk into a marketplace where really the 
Note 7 would have been its main com- competition and potentially the 7 Plus. But now only other smaller OEMs like LG with their V20 and HTC with the HTC 10 device, um, which for all the press you've heard about it may not even exist. Um, this is really a, this is really a, an area where Samsung has fallen on multiple fronts. Uh, not only do they not have their best flagship device out in the marketplace, other phone OEMs are coming out in direct competition to their space, and they can, there's literally nothing they can do about it. So um, this couldn't probably have come for Samsung at a worse time, but it certainly has already happened, so it kind of is what it is right now. Uh, touching back again on some rumors on what Samsung might do to go forward, the Galaxy S8, the replacement for the Galaxy S7, which is their smaller 5.1-inch display device, is rumored to have all kinds of new features packed into it, things like a 4K resolution display. This would be similar to what is seen on current 4K TVs in the marketplace. So because Samsung produces some of the best smartphone displays on the planet, it would probably be just simply amazing. And you combine that with the feature set that they already have, which includes water and dust resistance, uh, SD card storage, and a great, great, great smartphone camera, really. The addition of 4K display, uh, probably released in conjunction with their next VR product designed to utilize that 4K display, could be a really big feature for them. Uh, There's also rumors and talk that they may remove the home button from the front. Uh, maybe potentially moving it to the back or maybe doing something where the fingerprint scanner is now impacted under the display itself or using some of the bezel. Um, I think Huawei earlier this year released a phone that had something like this. They called it a hypersonic scanner where there's no physical button uh, a la what uh, Apple's doing with their uh, touch ID with haptic feedback, but going even a step further where the scanner is under the, the glass of the display and so you just basically rest your phone on kind of the chin space And instead of having a physical button, it scans your fingerprint at that point and then unlocks the device. All of these technologies are relatively new and kind of unproven, but uh, all of them have been rumored as of now to be included with the Galaxy S8. So what that means for Samsung could be a lot of different things. If they can get a quality product that, you know, doesn't explode uh, to the market in the first quarter of 2017, That's traditionally when the Galaxy line is launched. They may have an additional uh, device in the Galaxy S8 Edge, which is a slightly larger device. Again, a a 5.5-inch display instead of the S8 or the S7 standard 5.1-inch display. There there could be some good gains realized there. The market is kind of in a space right now where people are kind of not really knowing what to do when they can't use the Note 7. We have an article up on SiliconTheory.com right now that talks about some of the best replacements. If you wanted the Note 7 and you can't get it, you should definitely go and check that out and see some options there for you if you're in the market for a new smartphone. So, But if Samsung can bring two good quality products, and again, we have a Galaxy S7 in the household and it's fantastic. I highly recommend it to everybody that I know that's looking to get into the Android space and, and wants a quality device. They come probably at some of the most premium prices, but you know, again, you're getting a lot for what you're paying, so it's it's definitely a really good from a value proposition standpoint. The um, the damage to Samsung might not be so bad if they can come back with great phones as they typically have, but again, with the negative press and publicity, will the S8, even if it's a magnificent phone, really be received to a lot of general acclaim if this Note 7 debacle is still on most people's minds? 
Uh, who knows? That question has yet to be answered. But in a very real sense, it will probably be years before Samsung is able to recoup all of this, you know, 5.3 to 5.5 billion dollar losses, and again begins to recap some of their market cap space. I mean, $10 billion is a ton of cash and it, it just is its so tough in this competitive market to be able to stay on top for such a long period of time. Apple kind of has an edge because they're their own company. Nobody else makes a phone that can run on iOS. They have a captive market and so they're basically only really competing with themselves. Android's not like that. Because of its open source, there are probably seven or eight different OEMs that I can think of just off the top of my head that release a phone that runs on Android. You've got Samsung, of course. You've got the other big competitors in the American marketplace, which are Motorola, LG, HTC. And then you get into the folks that are more international style companies, I guess, but have released phones for use in the United States. So you've got Huawei, you've got ZTE with their Axon 7, you've got the OnePlus 3 devices. If you include Huawei's e-brand of Honor, that could be another phone. Um, you've got Blue, which has released their devices here locally, and they're usually sold on Amazon, but those also run Android. Heck, even BlackBerry, the company used to be known as RIM, has a phone now that doesn't run on their BlackBerry OS and actually runs Android. So there's a lot of competition in this space, and Samsung, for a very long time now, has been the king of the hill. And they still are the king of the hill, truth be told. But you also now have an additional company that is getting into this space and wants to be an OEM of their own hardware, and that's Google. Samsung probably isn't afraid of HTC, LG, Motorola. Heck, they probably even considered buying all of those companies at one point in time just to get rid of the competition and because they had the money to do so. Google's not like that. Google is one of the most valuable companies on the face of the planet. And when they get into the game, such as they have with their Pixel devices, and if they're able to incorporate the kind of software integration into all of their devices, all of their home front devices, the Google Home, the Google Wi-Fi, the Google Assistant now, um, they could have an all-in-one solution that's very attractive and interesting to quite a few people. The price point right now is kind of off-putting because a lot of people are more familiar with the Nexus price points, but the pricing would put them directly in competition with Samsung. They're offering, Google is potentially offering, what they consider a premium smartphone and it comes at a premium price. That's basically what Samsung does. And all of these other companies, if you combine them, probably wouldn't have the cachet and, and marketing research and, and sheer supply chain power to compete with Samsung, but Google might. So once again, this probably doesn't come at a very fantastic time for Samsung, but it is what it is. So they're at a point right now where maybe the tipping point is if they can quickly release a quality product that the consumer marketplace takes advantage of, takes to themselves as, uh, in essence, a replacement for the Note 7. And if they're willing to attempt to forgive and forget at some point, it might not be anything but a short-term loss for Samsung. A huge one, mind you, but still a short-term loss. If folks are really, really off-put by this Note 7 debacle, fiasco, damage, whatever you want to call it, then it could be a very long time indeed before Samsung is able to convince both international and domestic American purchasers to buy their product. 
And it's really a shame because, again, the Samsung was probably the finest smartphone ever produced by man running Android. And when you have a quality product like that and you sell a lot of them, it's going to go a long way towards cementing their position as the number one phone manufacturer for Android devices in the world. They may still be that and may still be that for a while now, but there's definitely some competition coming. And we'll see, I guess, how it impacts Samsung in the long run. That's pretty much it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Again, you can find us at silicontheory.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Silicon Theory. And uh, if you have an opportunity and you enjoy the show, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud. Leave us a review. We hope it's five stars because we hope you like the show and it definitely keeps us going and gives us incentive to do some more stuff. But If you have uh, some comments or other feedback that you'd like to give us that's not left in a review, go ahead and reach out to us at silicontheory at gmail.com. Thanks for listening again, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.